what advice would you give somebody who was, you know, a year or so behind you? My advice that I give in all areas, don't be afraid to ask for help. Um, there's many others that were in your situation at one point. The worst thing that can happen is they don't respond. They don't answer. Mm-hmm. I asked so many people for help during uh, my process of learning. There's so many that they're like, you reached out to who? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I mean, if they don't answer, they're just a person. Yeah. This is the Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast, and I'm your host, Brian Briscoe. Now, this podcast is designed for the aspiring apartment investor and literally gives them the opportunity to ask the questions that will help them get to the next level. So if you're an aspiring apartment investor, this podcast is for you. Now, this podcast is brought to you by the Tribe of Titans Multifamily Educational Community. It's your one-stop shop for learning how to succeed at apartment investing. Welcome to the Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast. I'm your host, Brian Briscoe. I'm very excited for today's show. It's one of our first deal series episodes. And we're actually not talking about a first deal today. We'll be talking about a second deal today. So I want to introduce everybody to Crystal Rubel, who's going to be with us talking about a 21-unit apartment complex in El Paso, Texas. So Crystal, welcome to the show. Thanks, Brian. Glad to be here. Yeah, happy to have you. So two apartment complexes in very short order in El Paso. And the first one was 26 unit. The second one's 21. Um, Like I said, I'm very excited to jump in. But before we do jump in, let's talk a little bit about you. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, Give us an idea of your background and um, walk us into kind of how you got involved in apartment investing. I currently work a full-time W-2 job. Um, I purchased my first home. It was just always told to me to, I did not want to pay rent for somebody else that is owning something and and having a property after. So I I purchased my first home when I was 18. Mm -hmm. Um, I was under contract and closed when I turned 19. It was back in 2007. Likely I should not have been approved back when Mm -hmm. everyone was getting approved. Um, I only lived in it for about a year. And then at that point, um, there were some issues um, and, and looking, I did not want to sell. I was like, if anything, I, I wanted to own a property. Mm-hmm. Um, so I rented it out. It was rented out for nine years. Um, El Paso, Texas being a big military town where the property yep. was, was in one of the prime areas of where the military loves to stay. So for most of those nine years, it was rented out to military. Nice. Um, I ended up purchasing an investment property that was almost like a duplex here in El Paso as well. Um, and at that point, it was more passive. Um, I was really focused on my W-2 job, growing my career within the corporate background. Um, and it was more passive. So I had um, just long-term tenants in place. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was until I got um, burnt out. It was during COVID, a lot yeah. of work, a lot of hours, um, probably working 60, 80-hour weeks. And I was I had paid off one of the properties and I was like, I'm going to be mortgage free by 33. That was my joke that I was telling everyone. Um, And then at that point I was, what can I do once I am mortgage free? And when I started looking into that, um, I was really burnt out with my corporate job. um, Seeing how can I create more passive income for myself? How can I, you know, retire myself? Um, And I was looking at triplexes, duplexes, smaller multifamily. Um, I started listening to more podcasts. And it wasn't until I listened to one where they were talking about apartments. Mm-hmm. Um, and at that point, I realized that 
calculating the number, right? Your financial freedom number that likely the apartment is a, is a route for me to go. Um, so I told my, my agent, that is one of my really closest friends, if you know of any apartment complexes, eight, 12 units, let me know. I'm really interested. Um, some deals fell through on the triplexes, duplexes that didn't happen. Um, and one day she's like, I have a 26 unit coming up. Are you interested? Um, and from what I've learned from networking, mm-hmm. books, podcasts, everything is that if, if it's going to get you through that door to your goals, just walk through that door and, and figure yeah. it out later, almost problem solved later. Yeah. Um, so I did. I took it. I said yes immediately, even though I knew that was probably way out of my um, my, yeah. my goal of as far as the amount, the price, the sales price. Um, and I took it from there. Um, I went from that uh, property. I, I did partner with one other person um, mm-hmm. on that property. We did. Um, we can get into the details. I know we will get into yeah. the details of how we finance those properties. Um, that deal went well. Um, and the seller then decided that since that went well, there's another property he has, a 21 unit um, that he was interested in selling. I initially said no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, nope, the numbers don't make sense. Um, the price he's asking for it just doesn't make sense. Um, and from there, it, it it snowballed into, are you sure? Let's let's see how we can make this work through. But that's really where it started. And, and mm-hmm. that happened about June of last year. Um, so it's almost a year now. And how much I've learned in the past year and just the networking alone, is it's been extremely valuable. I feel very new to this, but the more I talk to others, um, it does help me reassure myself that this is the, the right step to go in. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I love something that you, about you is you're not afraid to take action. I think a lot of people have that problem, you know, is, is they, they've convinced themselves that multifamily that, or that real estate in general is the way to go. Um, but they have a hard time taking action. I mean, you said you, you bought your first home when you were 19. Right. Wow. And, you know, so mortgage free by 33 and then you got a couple extra, you know, two apartment complexes under your belt now. And, um, you know, mental math, you you can't be you can't be much more than 33 right now. Right. So um, I'm not going to put you on the spot and ask you your age, but uh, um, I I think that's now. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You're 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 a little bit old. I'm I'm way older, but I'm 40 something. But uh, um, so a lot of a lot of things that are good there is, you know, you, you've taken action on a lot of things. You took control of a lot of things. Um, somebody came to you with this 26 unit and it's where you wanted to get. And I love what you said is like, yep, say yes now and figure it out later. You know, it's a, it's a good opportunity. It's where you wanted to get. Um, and then the 21 unit ended up being following that one. But so let's, let's talk about, you mentioned a, a partner who partnered with you on, on both of these projects. Um, how did you meet him? Him, right? It's him. Okay. Yes. Um, I met him at my W2 job. He no longer works there. He works with a different company now, mm-hmm. still works full-time W2 as well. Um, but I knew that I wanted a partner that was interested in real estate as well and was going to help me crunch the numbers as well. I feel like I'm really good at numbers and I do analytic stuff for my, my current W2 job as well. Um, but I just wanted someone to just check dot cross the T's dot the I's and make Mm -hmm. sure that I was analyzing everything correctly. Um, and truly I I owe a lot of credit to what what I've done and and the action I've taken is, is mainly the people that I've networked with mentors I've talked to. 
um, and, and some of the books and education that I've done yeah. is that being an apartment investing is, is a team. It's, it's not a, you, you can take it on alone, but it, you're not going to get far. Right. It's going to be a lot on you. And my, my main goal is to, to get more time freedom. So mm-hmm. I knew for sure I, I needed to at least bring on a partner. Um, I didn't expect to, to get a second deal out of it. Um, mm-hmm. So at that point it, it's been growing pretty quickly. So you used to work with each other. Um, you know, how, how, how did you get from, you know, working together to two apartment complexes? I mean, how, how did that develop? If that makes sense. Um, so he has approached me. He knew that I've always been into real estate investing, um, that I had some rental properties. I wouldn't talk about it much at my W-2. Mm-hmm. And I know now that that is a mistake. I am now telling anybody and everyone that is listening to me at work at any time, if I can drop yeah. it in that I'm an, a real estate investor. Yeah. Um, it does help build the confidence and trust for them to want a partner. Um, so he knew me from the W-2 job. I was a leader of his at one point, um, a mentor of his at one point as well, helping him grow within his career. Um, so I wanted to do the same with real estate investing. He was looking to purchase other properties as well mm-hmm. um, and get involved in it. So when um, my my agent came to me with the 26th unit, I asked him if he was interested in going to walk the property with me. I had already uh, vetted out some property management companies. So I also mm-hmm. had the property management company because I, I, again, I knew from... Education, that property management is one of the key things to do. So I I knew I needed to have one when we were going to go walk the the property. So he walked the property with me and and immediately after he's like, I I want in. What can I do? How can I get in? Let's Mm -hmm. let's do this. Um, And that's kind of, that's probably the story of how that happened. But we've known Mm -hmm. each other for, I would say, about nine years now. All right. Well, let's let's just continue the story a little bit. So that, that first property, he says he wants in. Um, give me, give us a little bit of an overview of that first property, because I, I very, very much pertains to how you, how you found the second one. So just keep on going from that one from, from there and tell us a little bit more of that first one. Okay. Um, the first one was a, a 26 unit as well in El Paso, Texas. It's right close to the military base, the main entrance of the military base. Um, we, it was $1.4 million. Um, it's 26 units has a laundry facility on site as well. Um, what the way that we structured it, um, because part of it was that I knew I could only from a capital perspective, get something around an eight to 12, uh, apartment complex originally is why mm-hmm. when I met my agent and said, that's what I wanted to do. So I knew initially that I was going to need to bring on some sort of partners, capital or raise capital. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we went to walk the property, he's, he, I knew he also has a really good W2 job as well. Um, he's always been really good with his uh, finances because we would talk about that at work. Yeah. Um, just in general, of you know, we don't want to get in debt with certain things. Credit card debt's really bad. Um, so we knew from from that uh, aspect that if we were going to go into, we talked to numbers. Um, and the way that we structured that first deal was with um, a local credit union and partial seller financing. Mm-hmm. Um, with that first deal. Um, we were able to close on that first deal. We did our capital out of pocket. We split it 50-50 on the capital. Um, and that deal went so well that it led to the second deal from the seller. He okay. then mentioned he had the 21 unit. We knew he had um, some storage facilities, some other properties throughout the city as well. Um, so we knew we wanted to keep that relationship going with the, the seller. Mm-hmm. Um, he had that property. It's him and his wife. Um, Managed it themselves. Um, they didn't have a property management company. Um, they weren't. They don't have any kids that they plan to pass it down to. They were just looking to retire. Mm-hmm. Um, so the way that we we looked at the deal was 
how can we make this a situation for us to get into apartments um, and, you know, a win-win situation for both, mm-hmm. um, for both parties or all parties involved, including the agent, um, yeah. right? Uh, so we talked through the numbers with with what his number was. He, he was getting, um, he wasn't able to refinance his property of a seller yeah. because he didn't have all his financials in order. Um, so with that, we knew that we had a deal there, right? Off-market deal, seller yeah. in distress. Um, and and needed help, right? That's really what it is, is that we were trying to help him get out of the situation he was in to, to not want to manage the property anymore, to want to retire, um, but we wanted in. Mm-hmm. Um, so we just continued with that relationship with the owner, um, able to close the first deal. Um, maybe less than a month after um, he showed us the next deal, we initially said no. The sale price did not make sense because it's a 21 unit, but six units were under construction and they had been under construction mm. for four years. They were started and completely stopped. Um, so yeah. it doesn't sound like under numbers, construction. That sounds like, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, stop construction. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Right. Stopped construction. Right. So it was really so, a 15 um, with unit that, with, you know, the opportunity to finish the six. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. And and when they did the sales price, um, of course, they were doing it at what the potential amount that it can make. And mm-hmm. we had to go back and forth and say, we can't put our money based on the potential. We understand it can be there, but it does take a lot of effort to get those six units completed, as well as, you know, b- being able to put the money towards that, plus the closing, plus any other renovations that need to occur at that sales price. It just didn't work for us. So he was uh, willing to adjust the sales price, offer credits. We ended up originally doing a 20, agreeing to a tw- the deal was 1.3 million, 21 mm-hmm. units, um, a 20,000 credit at closing and four months of no payment to seller financing. So we did structure that the same as the first. We did. Uh, a bank financing with a local credit union. And then uh, the seller took a second on the seller financing. So he played um, a part of doing the, mm-hmm. so we wouldn't have to go so far down with uh, the down payment with the bank because we right. still had to come 20% down. And we did four months of no payment to the seller financing. So that was how it started. Um, as we went through more due diligence, we went through appraisals, um, further inspections of the property, um, having um, multiple bids on finishing those six units. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where further negotiations came into play. Let's so, dial in on the six units a little bit more. I and I now that you have bids, let's let's talk about what condition were they in when you guys first looked at it. First looked at it, the, the six units, um, four of them are about eighty percent complete. The mm-hmm. other two were completely at the studs and, and framing. Mm-hmm. The the construction completely stopped four years ago. Um, mm-hmm. So as we were getting bids, we did have some general contractors go and look at the permits um, and found out that none of the inspections occurred on those four that were 80% mm-hmm. complete. Yeah. So that was also something that we had to um, find out how much yeah. is that going to take us to then, you know, take down the sheetrock, get the inspections done. Yeah. Do we need new plans? Do we need new approvals from permits? Um, luckily, uh, one of the bids we got, um, the general contractor has a, a great relationship um, with some of uh, the permits um, for the city, and they were able to break it out into doing it in twos. So we're going to have a total of three that need to be mm-hmm. uh, three permits total um, out of those six. Permits. And what they're going to do is they're going to only have to inspect the framed one and then make sure that the electricians, the HVAC, all of the others mm-hmm. that need to happen, the plumbing, they can take off a piece of one of the sheetrock um, and then make sure that everything looks in place um, with the inspectors um, and then they'll be able to approve all six. 
Okay. So that did change the bid a bit, um, which then we were able to use that to negotiate some some further credits with the seller, mm-hmm. and it ended up leading to reducing the sales price um, overall as well. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. Good. Good point. Yeah. When you say they stopped construction, I, I was still wondering. You know, did they? How far did they get? And it sounds sounds like they were far enough where, you know, it's not too heavy of a lift to bring those back up to. Um, to occupiable and, and get those certificates of occupancy on those. So, um, right. all right. So you went through that process, you got bids, you use the bids to go back to the seller and say, Hey, it's going to cost this much to, to bring these six units up. And Oh, by the way, you forgot to get the inspections, you know, so that's going to cost a little bit more. You renegotiated the price and let's take it from there. So we renegotiated the price um, because once we realized that it was going to be, it could potentially take a lot longer for the permitting, the inspections, and to get mm-hmm. the certificate of occupancy. Um, we went back with the seller to say, we need to either reduce sales price, we need to make concessions somewhere. Yeah. Um, now the numbers aren't making as much sense. Um, so definitely a learning lesson there. Mm-hmm. Um, the seller decided... The, to lower the price, seventy-five thousand, um, mm-hmm. as well as give an additional ten thousand at closing credit, mm-hmm. um, and we still had the four months of no seller payment, so we were going to collect rents on the fifteen units while those were going to be um, under construction. We're going to complete the construction for those units, mm-hmm. um, so that still the numbers made sense to us, and, and we continued on with the process. All right, so and we were ready um, for closing. <laughs> yeah, right. So. Um, a lot of goodness there. And a couple of things, you know, you were, you were very creative. You had a seller who's willing to work with you. Um, you got seller financing on the first one. So you didn't have to put the full down payment down seller financing on the second one, you know, to be able to get into another property without, you know, exhausting your resources. So a lot of, a lot of goodness there, a lot of creativity. Um, and, looking for mutual solutions. And I, I found this a couple of times, you know, I was looking at a little mom and pop place. It was a 12 unit down the road from me. And the seller was looking for a seller finance because they were retiring and they were just looking for income without the hassle. And I think a lot of people in the situation, you know, that that's the type of people where seller, seller financing works extremely well is, you know, the older mom and pops who are just looking to, Hey, I want the same income. I don't want all the hassle. And if you can, if you can present them a seller financing option that gives them the income they want without the hassle, you know, a lot of times that works. Creating the win-win situations, Mm -hmm. problem solving for not just yourself, but the seller as well. Yeah, absolutely. So let's, let's talk about getting this to the closing table, you know, so any other big hiccups between, you know, the renegotiation, the contract and getting to the closing table? At closing, um, just to give some background on the, the structure of how it was, is that we did a 300000 uh, finance with the bank. Mm-hmm. And initially it was going to be $1 million finance with the seller. Mm-hmm. Um, that was only because we wanted to come with little capital out of pocket. I was trying to solve that problem because the first deal we did was we did a lot of capital of our own out of pocket. Mm-hmm. So we only had to do 20% of the 300,000 for the bank, which is 60,000, but we also had the 30,000 credit. We knew we were going to get um, security deposits, uh, prorated rent, mm-hmm. prorated taxes, all of that to be brought in at closing as well. When that, and then also the four months of no payment for the seller financing, we knew that we were going to be able to put more of our capital towards the renovation mm-hmm. um, instead of towards the actual closing costs. And that was the goal for that. Mm-hmm. So at closing, um, everyone's there, bank, everyone signs, 
Um, as far as on the buyer side, um, we didn't truly celebrate because the deal for the second one came so quickly mm-hmm. that we didn't get to celebrate the first. So the second, we're like, we're going to go to dinner. We're going to celebrate and enjoy that we, we closed on the second one. And we are now owners of 47 units. And the fun begins, as everyone likes to say. Mm-hmm. As we were headed to dinner, we got a call um, stating that the seller refused to sign. Mm-hmm. Um, we were shocked because everything was going well. We were even, um, you know, starting the transfers with the property management company the, the they were already interviewing the new tenants, um, doing all the transfers for that as well. Um, so we were shocked to hear that. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he is very old school in the, when he does, um, signing of the contracts, he doesn't like to do it on any online DocuSign. Mm-hmm. He does it in person, signs the forms. Um, but he stated that he did not remember agreeing to certain amounts. Um, okay. So at that point, it, we we needed to figure out again, another problem comes up. What do we need to do from here? Where do we go from here? Um, and my biggest thing, my biggest advice that I give to all the time is just take one day, at least sleep on it one night mm-hmm. um, before you make any major decisions. Um, so we talked about it during dinner. Dinner was not a discussion of celebrating, being happy. Yeah. What can we do? What are our options? Um, we do have um, an attorney that we have for the, the both deals that we've had um, review all of our items. We, we immediately called him next day, um, talked through what our options were. Um, he was unavailable because he was in court. Um, mm-hmm. So we, my brother's also an attorney, but he does not specialize in real estate. Um, so went over with him. Um, my partner did go over with some attorneys he was aware of too, to kind of go over our options to see what we can yeah. do. Um so at that point, um, we did know that we could go the, the litigation route, that it may mm-hmm. take more time. And if that was something we wanted to do, um, the seller wanted us to then take on a third note um, because he did not want to agree to the four months of seller financing. He mm-hmm. didn't remember doing that. Um, and he wanted us to take on the interest for those four months on a third note, which it came up to about $17,000. Um, we basically said, can we just pay that at closing and just close the deal if that's the case, um, it didn't happen. Um, it ended up happening that he then said, let's just change it to two months of no seller payment, mm-hmm. no seller financing payment. So we, we ended up agreeing to that and we closed the very next day. Okay. But some of the hiccups is celebrating too soon, celebrating too soon. And, and initially with this entire deal, um, we had said no from the get go. And mm-hmm. along the way we had many different challenges. Um, so it, it, at closing and until I was signing, I, I knew that, like, is this really happening? We're really getting the second one. It's, mm-hmm. And we came with so little out of pocket um, to close um, that I was very, very shocked that we were able to do it. And then, um, you know, the little hiccups that occurred, I was yeah. like, maybe it's not meant to happen. Maybe we just continue with the first and move on. Mm-hmm. Um, but we were able to make a deal with the, the seller um, and it worked out for everyone. Nice. So you guys got 47 units with you know, not a whole lot out of pocket because you guys were able to structure things properly, work with the seller and come up with a win-win situation that ended up working for everybody. Um, awesome. I think that's great. So, um, so how's, how's the uh, 21 unit come since closing? And let's see, uh, how long ago did it close? About a month ago? We closed April 26th, okay. 2022. So a couple of weeks now, right. almost a month. Almost a month. So how how's it going so far? It's good. It's um it's going. We're immediately we were we had everything. I'm I plan everything. I try to plan as much as I can. Mm-hmm. Um and I know that there's the joke that if you plan, you know, there's so many things that can occur. 
but I try to at least plan for that. So we immediately got the general contractor to start going in, mm-hmm. um, getting the units to where we need the six units because we knew it was a very time, now time's even smaller from the seller financing payment um, to get those units ready. Yeah. Um, we are going to have those four completed. Um, we're hoping within the next two weeks um, yeah. from what we're getting from the general contractor updates. Um, they already have the HVACs. Inspections are occurring this week as we are on this call. And we're hoping to have those certificate of occupancy within the next two weeks. Luckily, the, the relationships with the permits with the city, um, they were able to agree to get these units done two at a time as opposed to all six at once. So they're going to give us those certificates of occupancy for those uh, four units first as we complete the, the final two. Nice, nice. So, so far, so good. You'll have those uh, those uh, units come up two at a time, start renting those out, start getting in more income, and then, uh, you know, in another month, start paying the seller back, you know, start uh, paying yes. off that loan. So, um, awesome. So, are you, are you going to be mortgage-free on two properties by 43 this time? <laughs> I wish. Um, so what ended up happening, even just to get into it and using my capital, yeah. um, the one thing that I, I talked to many about is that I ended up taking out an equity loan on the one that was mortgage free mm-hmm. on, um, on one of my um, investment properties. It's got a du- it's almost like a duplex. It's two units. Yeah. Um, so I did take out an equity uh, loan on it. Um, luckily, at a 3.75% interest rate. So it was when interest rates were really low. Nice. I take out that equity to put in these deals. Um, so it was definitely a learning lesson because I thought it was so silly of myself to have paid off, become mortgage free without learning how much, you know, real yeah. estate. And, and I, at that point I was like, I know I can write off some of the interest. I can write off. There's certain things that can be right written yeah. off and being mortgage free isn't always the smartest thing to do. Um, but it was definitely a lesson learned. Something I learned a long time ago was uh, uh, there's a metric called return on equity, you know, and being mortgage free is extremely safe, you know, and, Every, every penny that comes off the property is going to be cash flow, which is nice. Um, but the return on equity, you have to look at how much money you have locked up in the property and look at your opportunity costs, you know? So um, once, once you start looking at it from that angle, you know, things change a little bit. And if you've got a couple hundred thousand dollars locked up in equity, now the question is, you know, what's my return on that equity and how else could I deploy that equity to make you know, better returns for myself. And that's, that's something that uh, it took me a long time to figure out, but, uh, and when I did figure that out, Oh, by the way, I sold two houses cause I couldn't refinance them at the time. Um, but I couldn't, I could have refinanced them, but I couldn't refinance them and still cash flow. But uh, anyway, I think, uh, I, I think that decision is going to be uh, one that you're very happy with, you know, long-term. So, all right. So what's next for you? For me, I, I honestly want to continue learning, uh, mm-hmm. networking, continuing going to the Friday happy hour sessions that you yes. host as well and other networking events. Um, I, as I closed on my first deal, I my goal was to go to an, a commercial real estate networking event. I mm-hmm. went to um, one in Denver this past year as well um, in February, and mm-hmm. I realized there's just so much that I can learn. I think yeah. I... I learned a lot just doing the deals. I know taking action, you learn a lot, but there's so many things. Just the return on equity that you mentioned right now, it's, mm-hmm. it's a different way of looking at it too. Not just the cash flow, not just the debt that you get um, and the write-off, you know, the tax benefits from that. Um, but what's next for me is I am looking to exit my W-2. That is the goal. I wanted more time freedom. Um, I am waiting a little bit to make sure the property stabilized. Yep. Um, I have already told my agent I am not ready for the third yet. 
mm-hmm. um, but she's already looking for a third. She's like, and, and we almost might have one soon. Um, she had, we had looked at one last week. I, I said, I wanted to give myself more time, but that also made me realize that maybe I, I need to look at getting more partners or mm-hmm. going into something more. Cause we do have property managers. We do have, it's me and my partner. Um, both of us still work our, our W2 job. Um, but I, I really do enjoy helping others learn as well. That's how I was able to meet this partner. Um, but I also want to learn from others that are doing larger deals than me um, and having more time freedom that are doing, being able to do both. Cause I am very passionate about this. Um, and it's not just, you know, from the real estate perspective in, in any aspect of becoming financially free and helping others understand that they don't need to go the route of being an employee all the time or doing the nine to five, they can look at different options to be more flexible with their schedule and having more time for their family. Mm-hmm. And that's truly what I, I want to do. And what's next for me is to have more time for my family. Once I leave my W2 and helping others learn and grow and continue my own education. Awesome. 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 And I think you're very well set up. I mean, 47 units, um, pretty much with, with one other person. So, you know, if you, if you're at the point where you want to scale, you've got track record already, you've got, uh, um, a lot of history and, and track track record really matters in this business. And, you know, walking into your broker or a different broker with 47 units that are already under your belt is going to start the conversation a lot differently. Same for investors. If you ever look on bringing passive investors in, you know, that that track record you've built already is going to pay a lot of dividends down the road. So well, that's that was important to me to become yeah. a, a subject matter expert is what I would say. And in this, I, I wanted to learn That's big part of my um, what I, I like to advocate for myself is that I want to learn it before I teach others. Let me take the risk before I bring others to take the risk. Um, that's just how I've always been. Um, mm-hmm. So once that happens, I know it's usually the time where I have friends, family, even coworkers, clients yeah. sometimes asking me, how did you do that? Why are you, what are you doing? Yeah. And it's, it was a hobby to me and now it's um, become more than that. So it's, it's interesting how many um, times I get asked that, you know, I have some money. Um, I want to do something with it. Let me know. Here's my number. Let me know. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's a great feeling to to know that I'm able to help others as well. Um, but I would not have been here if it weren't for others that the advice that I listened to that have done it before. Um, there's many times that a younger age, you look at it, you're like, no, um, mm-hmm. I'm going to do it my way. You learn it the long way in, in, in that case. But I truly try to, to take in what some people that I aspire to be like or um, people I look up to um, and try to take their advice and, and make sure that their time that I, I use their time and I'm taking action and, and not just, um, you know, listening to what they're having to say. I want to make sure that I'm using it um, and hopefully making them proud with, with that, with yeah. the advice that they gave me and, and taking that action of what I've done. Awesome. Awesome. Um, so two more questions for you. And uh, this is my favorite one of this type of podcast episode. What advice would you give? And you're speaking of, you know, helping people along, but what specific advice would you give somebody who was, you know, a year or so behind you? My advice that I give in all areas um, is don't be afraid to ask for help. Don't be afraid to ask for help. Um, There's many others that were in your situation at one point. um, And just don't be afraid to ask for help. The worst thing that can happen is they don't respond. They don't answer. Mm -hmm. I asked so many people for help during uh, my process of learning. There's so many that they're like, you reached out to who? (laughs) And I was like, yeah, I mean, if they don't answer, they're just a person. Um, And they did answer. It was, it took them a little longer because I'm sure they have 
so many questions from so many people, but they did end up answering. Some yeah. of them answered, but it did help reassure what I was doing was in the right direction. So truly don't be afraid to ask for help. Um, again, the, the worst thing they can do is just not respond to you. But if you ask multiple people, um, you're, you're likely to get an answer from someone. You get somebody. Yeah. It's just, just, it's a numbers game at that point, you know? So definitely ask, ask for help. I appreciate that very much. And last question, how can listeners learn more about you? Um, they can find me on on Instagram, social Mm -hmm. media, uh, almost on any social media platform, including LinkedIn, um, under Crystal Rebel, R-I-B as in boy, A-I-L. Um, or if you ever have any questions or, or need anything, you can also email me um, at cdrassetmgmt at gmail.com. All right. So appreciate you coming on the show today. Thanks very much. And um, I'm excited to, you know, eventually hear about number three pretty soon. So um, I know you're not ready for it, but, uh, you know, whether it's six months or a year from now, excited to hear about it. Thank Thanks. you so much, Brian. I appreciate everything you're doing. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast by the Tribe of Titans. If you're still listening, you obviously liked it. So go ahead and subscribe to the podcast, leave a five-star rating and review if you haven't already, and then make sure to check out our YouTube channel, which incidentally has a ton of video content that you'll also enjoy and learn from. Now, if you're interested in being on the show, go to our website, diaryofanapartmentinvestor.com and fill out the questionnaire on the website. And for more educational content and for more information about our educational community, check us out at thetribeoftitans.info.